This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. You want to know what the highest quality vehicles are for this year? Well, J.D. Power's 2022 initial quality study results are just in, and we'll have the details and our reactions to that coming up. Volkswagen has just pulled the wraps off an all-new battery electric sedan concept called the ID Aero, and it could give Tesla a run for its money. We'll give you the details on that, too. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash autoinsurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack Nerad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry. There was some uh, unfortunate news for for you guys this week, Chris, and uh, I was uh, disappointed for you. You and your family were scheduled to travel this week, but you're not traveling. Uh, tell us what happened. Yeah, we have a, a very big tick problem here in Maine. Uh, it appears that my dog got into some tick uh, area and got a couple of bites and uh, has some sort of uh, mild paralysis uh, inflammatory issue. So uh, we can't go to Disney, but I guess uh, I should say that the weather here in Maine is going to be around 90 later this week. So I think we'll get a little bit of Florida here. So I think a beach run is in our near future. Yeah, sounds like. And I hope you can uh, at least salvage some of that vacation time or have some fun this week. Uh, not not Disney type fun. You're not visiting the mouse, but uh, at the same time, I'm hoping you can have some fun. Uh, what were you driving this week that you can tell us about? Well, the high note of the week was I spent the wheel the, the week behind the wheel of the uh, 2022 Acura MDX Type S. It's a sportier version of their three-row crossover. Very impressive. Ah, very cool. Well, we'll talk about that in the next segment. I got a chance to drive the 2022 Mazda CX-30. It's a small crossover. I'll tell you all about that. I had some fun with that. We have a terrific guest for you. Our special guest is Jason Barry. He's chief operating officer for a company called Digital Airstrike. He's an expert on auto retailing, and heaven knows we need an expert right now. We're in the midst of the 4th of July weekend. That's one of the biggest car buying weekends of the year, and he'll have some insight on what I've got to believe is the most bizarre car market I have ever seen. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but before we do that, we'll bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us with Chris Teague. This is Jack Nered with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nered with you. We're so glad you're with us. We really do appreciate you being with us here on America on the Road. It is news time and really interesting news. I think anybody who's buying a, a new vehicle uh, wants to know what the highest quality vehicles are. And J.D. Power has a uh, look at that for us. Their uh, 2022 U.S. initial quality study results are just in. And the results aren't all that good, actually. There are a lot of... A lot of bad things happened in the market this this year. Uh, supply chain issues. Uh, of course, vehicle prices were high, and that uh, doesn't lead to customer satisfaction. Uh, maybe more to the point, uh, there was a lot of personnel dislocations. A lot of people resigned, and uh, it was difficult to staff factories. In any case, industry quality went way, way down. There was a 11% increase in problems, which means quality is lower. That's, that's pretty ugly. And... Uh, you can kind of see why, given what we've gone through in supply chain. What do you think about that, Chris? 
Yeah, you know, you're seeing cars leaving uh, production lines, uh, missing features, missing parts with maybe the communication that they'll be reinstated or installed at some point down the road. So buyers are uh, sometimes getting these vehicles, not understanding the, the tech that they've got, the features that are missing or that they do have. Uh, so it could be a mess for some people. Absolutely a mess. Uh, interestingly, General Motors did very, very well. They uh, appeared to avoid the supply chain problems more so than others. Uh, it had the highest ranking position among the corporations, the car makers, um, not necessarily intuitive <laughs> to us in the, in the business here. Buick was uh, a big winner in terms of uh, problems per 100 vehicles, which is how they measure initial quality. And it jumped up from uh, 12th place last year to the highest brand. Uh, so that's interesting stuff. This study is in its 36th year. I was working at J.D. Power long ago uh, in the midst of this study, and uh, it, it really hasn't changed all that much uh, since then. Here's some of the what I would call key things about the study. And uh, this is non-intuitive too, the mass market vehicles. So Ford, uh, Chevrolet, Toyota, Honda, those kind of vehicles, they experience fewer problems than premium vehicles, vehicles like uh, Mercedes-Benz, BMW. By a substantial margin, their average is 175 uh, problems per 100 vehicles. That's 21 problems per 100 vehicles, fewer than for premium brands. Talk a bit about that, Chris. That's got to be a kind of a weird one, right? You buy a luxury car and it has more problems than a non-luxury car. Yeah, but that also has more stuff, right? It's more complex. The infotainment system's probably got more things going on. There's more uh, features, safety tech. And so, uh, as I pointed out earlier on and in, in previous studies when we've talked about this, one of the biggest issues that people report during this, this study is our issues with infotainment, right? So, like, my Android Auto or Apple CarPlay didn't connect. You and I have talked a lot about the wireless connectivity there. So, uh, I think that with more stuff comes more uh, complexity and ultimately more issues here. Yeah, well, you're spot on there. In fact, uh, the J.D. Power people talked about that. And they also noted that there's some brands that didn't seem to have those problems, Genesis and Lexus among them, and they ranked you know, right at the top there among the premium brands, the what we would call luxury brands, I think. And the infotainment systems are problematic. It's the most problematic area. And the connection with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, or just Android Auto and Apple CarPlay issues, are the top issue, top problems that people have. Voice recognition is actually getting somewhat better. And I think you and I have experienced that too, haven't we, Chris? Yeah, long gone are the days of arguing with uh, the uh, computer in your car over navigation directions. Yeah, I think these days uh, I uh, re uh, kind of default to uh, voice commands a lot of times. It seems a more direct way to get things done uh, versus what we've seen before. Here's another one that I think is really interesting and um, it's got some implications going forward. Battery electric vehicles and plug-in hybrid vehicles are more problematic than conventional vehicles. And you know, a lot of people cite battery electrics as, oh, you know, they're easy to live with, there's very fewer moving parts, there's not that much going on with them, and yet we're seeing them being much more problematic in this study. Battery electric vehicles average 240 problems per 100 vehicle versus 173 for those with conventional internal combustion engines. That's got to uh, be a head-scratcher in some ways, right, Chris? Yeah, it is. But you also think about the, the experience between a battery electric vehicle and an internal combustion vehicle. I could see a lot of buyers walking into this thing and it's going to be something that it is and, and having a completely different experience. 
Uh, and then as we've talked about, you know, automakers, uh, staffing shortages and, you know, customer support, all the things that help make it a better experience have kind of fallen out too. So, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be a long-term sort of balance between where EVs are, are far more problematic, at least up front than gas vehicles are. But for now, it's problematic with adoption and, and getting people to actually buy the things. Yeah. And the interesting thing too here, it's kind of unfair for battery electric vehicles just to talk about them as battery electric vehicles because the problems aren't really with the powertrain. The problems are with the amount of tech that many of these uh, battery electric vehicles have. I mean, the manufacturers have a tendency to throw a ton of tech uh, at these vehicles. And uh, when you have a lot of tech, you have a lot of things where it could be problematic, where you just don't understand how it works or it's a, an issue for you. Yeah. And unfortunately, with your car, it's not like something that you can just uh, put away and figure out later. You know, we need to get somewhere and do something. You have to figure it out right then. So that's uh, very frustrating for a lot of people. Right. Well, another uh, area of issues is advanced driving assistance, and uh, those have, uh, they declined. The problems are revolving that declined last year, but they increased this year. And uh, here's what I think you could definitely agree with, and it's lane departure warning and lane keeping assistance are the most problematic. I think a lot of us just, uh, it drives us nuts, right? Yeah, it's one of the first things that I try to figure out uh, how to turn off, especially the uh automatic steering assist just feels, for me at least, so unnatural. I mean, I can see uh, for a lot of people, but yes, those are the things that I seek out to turn off immediately. Yeah, sometimes I want to cross that center line. Sometimes I want to be a little bit over that line on the edge of the road, and it's okay, and it's not unsafe. I just want that to happen. Well, we promised you some information about the highest-ranking brands and models. Uh, Buick, as I said, is the highest-ranking brand. Dodge was second. Chevrolet, third. Uh, many people are going, what? <laughs> Did I hear that correctly? Among premium brands, uh, Hyundai's Genesis brand is the highest. Uh, Lexus was number two. And then there was Cadillac. Um, so, And here are some of the models that are, are very, very strong. General Motors had a ton of uh, highly ranked models. These were the top of their segments. The Buick Encore GX, the Cadillac Escalade, the Cadillac XT6, Chevrolet Corvette, which was the uh, best vehicle in initial quality overall. Uh, Chevrolet Equinox, uh, Chevrolet Malibu, Silverado, uh, the Silverado HD, and the Chevrolet Tahoe. I mean, that's a lot of General Motors vehicles that are ranking at tops of their segment. Yeah, you know, when Dodge topped the list a couple of years ago, or maybe a year ago, we blamed or at least credited their the age of their, their lineup for that, right? So they had plenty of time to iron out all the details and get all the problems figured out. But Looking at this list of General Motors vehicles, there's a lot of recently updated vehicles there with a lot of new tech. So it's surprising uh, that they scored so well. So kudos to them. Yeah. Uh, another area that I, uh, just a quick aside, General Motors had the highest quality plant in the world. And interestingly, it's located in Mexico. <laughs> Go figure on that, too. I don't think... Any of us would have uh, suspected that is the case, but that is truly the case. So we promised you information about this new Volkswagen concept car, the all-electric ID Aero. This promises to be the electric vehicle flagship for the brand. And interestingly enough, it was introduced in China and is going to be produced in China before we see it. And I think it's going to go China, then Western Europe, then finally to North America. Uh, what's your take on this vehicle, Chris? I think it look it's a real looker and you know the functional aerodynamic bodywork uh, they've been able to reduce the coefficient of drag and extend the range 
Uh, the car has got a super long wheelbase, at least for what it is. I mean, the concept is like 16 feet long, which is just a foot, foot and a half shorter than a Ford F-150. So if it makes it into production in that size, it'll be a very large car, uh, which for the Chinese market is, is I guess, essential because a lot of those uh, folks buy cars to be chauffeured in. So backseat space, interior space is important. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting car. I think the range for me is very, very interesting. It'll be fun to see what they're able to do with charging speeds and, and power and things like that. Yeah, I was interested to the fact that they announced a range for this vehicle. It's a concept vehicle. So we're not going to hold them to this. A production vehicle might be different, but they indicate a range of 385 miles on a charge. They don't mention anything about horsepower, however, which I, I found amusing. Uh, but as I say, this is something that will eventually come in some way, will eventually come in some way, shape, or form to North America. Maybe not in exactly this form, but it certainly is a good-looking car and uh, I think puts them in the game, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, so their their full model line. Once it comes here, uh, it'll be a really really big competitor in the segments uh, that they all operate in. And they're, I mean, they're all compelling looking vehicles. So this one shouldn't be any different. Right. And when we come back, we will be doing some road testing. I will be driving the CX thirty from Mazda. Chris will tell you all about the Acura MDX Type S, an exciting three row sport utility vehicle. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Red with you, and it is road test time. We've got some really interesting road test vehicles, I think. Uh, Chris, you were driving. It, it might seem like an oxymoron, but it's a fun-to-drive, three-row uh, sport utility vehicle. Tell us about the Acura MDX. Yeah, you know, it is, uh, it's very surprising for a three-row SUV, especially one uh, as sort of bulky as the MDX is, but Acura's done a good job with it, uh, and you can really tell that they've thought through some of the details to make this uh, into something more than just like a sportier appearance package. So uh, the base MDX or the standard MDX starts around $50,000, just shy of there. Uh, the Type S package is, it's a all-new powertrain and a, a lot of different goodies that, that get added to this. So its price tag, that, as tested for me, was just over $72,000. It was $72,050. Uh, Jack, that makes it, I think, the second most expensive Acura ever made behind the NSX, probably. Um, so pretty surprising. You know, we're seeing a three-row SUV. But this, again, I think is at their position. This is a flagship. Um, so some really interesting things going on here. So the standard MDX uh, has a 3.5-liter V6. It's the same engine or a variation of the engine that powers the Honda Pilot, uh, the Honda Ridgeline. Honda Odyssey. So it's really been, uh, Honda's really put it through the uses here, through their paces. Uh, but the the Type S has a three liter, it's a turbocharged three liter V6 with 355 horsepower. It's got a full-time all-wheel drive. It's their super handling all-wheel drive and a 10-speed automatic transmission. Jack, I think you have driven this. Uh, have you driven the standard MDX and how do you feel that the powertrains compare to each other? Well, I'm not sure that I've driven the standard MDX recently. I did drive at the uh, Motor Press Guild uh, drive day recently, the MDX in the higher performance form. And it was a fun to drive car. So, uh, you know, that's kind of why I teed this up this that way. I, I think Acura has always provided that in their uh, SUVs. They're not necessarily the most accommodating, but uh, they're among the most fun to drive of these vehicles. And I, I think they scored that way with the MDX. I agree. And it's a really interesting positioning for this vehicle. Uh, and, you know, I'll just point out when you move up the chain of like an, a Mercedes Benz or a BMW uh, to an AMG or a BMW M product, you kind of get this 
raw edge of performance. Like you really do feel like you're sitting in a performance vehicle when you get into those things. The Type S is kind of like that, but it's also positioned almost as, as I said earlier, a flagship. So there's a lot more luxury in this vehicle. You stomp your foot down. It's no, there's not a lot of drama. Uh, there's no popping and crackling. The engine's not sounding outrageous. You're very cocooned. You're very coddled. Uh, and it's a comfortable luxury vehicle. In addition to being quick, I think it does zero to 60 in around six seconds, maybe a little bit less than that. So uh, you've got performance and luxury here. Uh, so for the whole family, you know, you could actually buy this and use it as your family vehicle. And then you could take it out on the back road uh, and hit some curves uh, and still have plenty of fun, although you're not going to be uh, it's not the, the pulse throbbing performance of like an AMG or a, a BMW M, like I said. So um, very interesting design here too. Acura's, uh, my car was, it's called Lunar Silver Exterior. One of the deepest silver paints I've ever seen. It almost looks like a pastel color, depending on how you're, the angle that you're looking at it. And the inside here, uh, Jack, we've talked a lot about uh, interesting interior design. This vehicle has a navy blue leather interior. It's called Azurite is the, the color here. What do you think about colored interiors? You know, we've, we've talked, I think, about red and some other interesting things. To me, I think it adds a layer of interest to the car, makes it more uh, fun to drive and spend time in. What are your thoughts on that other than just like black or tint? I think it's interesting to us, Chris, and, uh, you know, because we see the same thing over and over. I think in some ways we're like movie reviewers who see a movie, uh, you know, or two or three a week. And boy, they want to see something different. So when they see something different, they're excited about it. I don't know that the typical consumer is going to be uh, necessarily excited about it. When my wife sees some of these colored interiors, she just kind of gags. Or not, not quite gags, but she's she's not thrilled with them, right? And uh, so I, I like it. I get it. I kind of like red leather interior too. And you know, my wife just goes, ah, no. So uh, there you go. That's why they make different yeah, flavors I, of ice cream, right? I think the red might be a little loud for me, but navy blue, navy blue is pretty good. But just to run through some of the other features here very quickly. So I mentioned uh, this is the Type S trim. Uh, my vehicle had the advanced package, which takes up the price tag a little bit further. Uh, that adds a surround view camera system. It, uh, interestingly, we have massaging heated and cooled front seats jack. It's very nice for an Acura vehicle, uh, unexpected for an Acura vehicle. Uh, there's wood trim on the inside, a heated steering wheel, sports seats. So all around, this thing is uh, completely packed up with luxury features. Uh, panoramic sunroof, a 12.3-inch infotainment screen, digital gauge cluster. Uh, and I could go on about the tech, but I really wanted to focus on the attitude and the driving experience of this vehicle because it is that much different than the standard MDX. Uh, and I think it'll be very interesting for the right person and it does a great job of being an all-arounder. Yeah, nice vehicle. I like it a lot and I think they've done a good job with it. So I'm right with you, Chris. I'm right with you. Well, I was driving the 2022 Mazda CX-30. Mazda would describe it, I think, as a crossover. I think you and I might describe it as a crossover or somewhat of a hot hatch or a hatch a hatchback uh, it's a lot like uh, a hatchback in terms of its overall height and uh, overall size that isn't a bad thing it's certainly not a bad thing when you're driving this thing because it's a lot of fun it's a blast for 2022 it now has iActive all-wheel drive as standard equipment and so that adds to the performance uh, of the vehicle before you could get an the base model had, was front-wheel drive, and it also has G-Vectoring Control Plus, which is not actually torque vectoring. It's different than that, but it does help handling. And off-road traction assist is also standard on this vehicle, so a lot of good stuff. Uh, you can get it with two engines. 
the the S models have the 186 horsepower four-cylinder engine, 2.5 liter four-cylinder engine, naturally aspirated, so that's nice. And it, it actually has plenty of power. Uh, it has a good six-speed automatic transmission. Uh, some people might say six-speed. Why why not more speeds? But it actually provides you pretty quick torque, so there's some advantages to having the six-speed. Uh, automatic transmission, you get pretty good fuel economy anyway. And then this has the iActiveSense safety features, including adaptive cruise control with stop and go, brake support, high beam assist, lane departure warning that we referred to in the previous segment. Uh, not too obtrusive in this uh, instance. So uh, a lot of good tech stuff. I like that out of the CX-30. Pretty premium equipped for a little vehicle. Uh, has an 8.8-inch center display with the Mazda Connect infotainment system that takes some getting used to. You've had some experience, I think, with these Mazda infotainment systems. Uh, give us your take on that, Chris. They can be a little bit of an adjustment, but again, we talk about switching cars frequently. I think somebody who buys one of these and spends a little bit of time with the rotary dial and playing with it, you get used to it after a few days. Uh, so it's not as dramatic as some make it sound, but uh, it's definitely not as intuitive as a, just a straight-up touchscreen system. True, true. I, you know, I wish it had a more standard system. I, you know, in some ways, I don't like touchscreens because the screen gets all finger-marked, and uh, you know, that's kind of ugly. But uh, there's some advantages to the simplicity of it too. The vehicle I was driving had the premium package, so that had the uh, active driving display with traffic sign recognition. Uh, an adaptive front lighting system, so it kind of follows you around corners. I didn't drive it too much at night, so I didn't get much chance to uh, do that. It's, it's not much n a night around here these days, right? We were close to being at the longest day of the year. It has a 12-speaker Bose premium auto sy audio system, so it's good. Depending on how you look at the price, you could say, wow, this is expensive, or wow, there's a lot of stuff in it. The premium vehicle was $30,500 in terms of MSRP. If you wanted to go to the turbo with a lot more horsepower, significantly more horsepower, actually 227 horsepower out of the turbo engine, depending on the fuel you're running, it's only $32,800. So it's only you know, a little more than $2,000 more. I'd be apt to go for the turbo premium with all that good stuff, plus the uh, turbo uh, engine. And I think you're nodding your head on that too, right, Chris? Yeah, the turbo makes a world of difference with this car. It's great. Yeah, so this is a vehicle that I liked a lot. I mean, certainly in terms of overall utility, I mean, this is quote unquote a sport utility vehicle, but there's not that much utility there just because of its size. What's your take on the size, you know, as a, as a four-person family? How do you feel about the CX-30? Yeah, it's pretty tight. And you said earlier, and I agree with it completely. This is, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is a, a little bit of a lifted hatchback. It's not going to be the biggest or most utilitarian utility vehicle around. Uh, but the trade-off there is it's fun to drive. So I think some families would take that. Yeah, and I would certainly take the turbo engine if I had the choice. I just think the, uh, the added horsepower, the added torque, it is interesting that uh, the horsepower changes. I guess it changes all the time, but I think... Uh, Mazda is actually more open about the fact that the, there's less horsepower when you're running it with 87 octane versus premium fuel. Uh, I think a lot of vehicles probably uh, cut down the performance if they're supposed to be premium fueled and then they uh, get a different type of gas in them. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, they're very explicit about it. But for a lot of people, it's kind of like you don't really think about it when you go to the gas station. But 
you know, I have a turbo car and my wife's car is a turbo car. So uh, we're used to buying the premium fuel. Uh, but then again, neither of our cars advertise different power outputs for those two things. So yeah, I mean that's got to knock you out right now uh, with fuel prices being as they are. I mean it's bad enough buying uh, just regular gas, but having to have the extra expense of buying premium right now, it's it's got to kind of slap you in the face. Yeah, I think I paid six oh two yesterday, so no fun. Yeah. Probably, probably less than what you're paying. Right. Well, I've been getting up early in the morning on a Sunday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, and going to the big box store that sells gas a lot cheaper. And uh, people are lined up at 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday to do that. So uh, it's around $6 a gallon right now for regular here in, in Southern California. You know, something we have to deal with. But uh, there you go. Well, coming up, our special guest will be Jason Barry. He is the chief operating officer of a company called Digital Airstrike. He's an expert on auto retailing, and you know this is a crazy time for <laughs> buying a car, so he's an expert on that, and he'll give you some, some great insight that can maybe save you some money. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Neared with you, and we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jackie Red with you. We have a terrific guest for you, a really interesting guest talking about something that's on everybody's minds right now, especially if they're thinking about buying a new or used car. It's just crazy times out there. Uh, one of the weirdest, I think the weirdest uh, auto market I have ever seen, and I've seen plenty of them. Uh, Jason Barry is uh, chief operating officer of a company called Digital Airstrike. They are auto retailing experts. He is an auto retailing expert. And uh, number one, Jason, let me uh, welcome you to America on the Road. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate you having me. You know, as well as anyone, that this is uh, just literal crazy times out there to try to buy a car. Inventories are very short of both new and and used cars. Uh, Tell us what the situation is that consumers are facing right now. Oh my goodness! It's it's a it is a wild experience right now, unprecedented in the automotive industry. So. All of my friends, relatives, they say that they want to buy a car. They have seen the headlines on CNN and CNBC about what's happened. Very, very simply, the headlines this. Cars are just more expensive. And at the same time, there's a flip side. There's a good side of the story for consumers. If you're looking to trade in a vehicle, you're actually going to get more money now than you ever had in the past 30, 40 years. So... There's a yin and a yang, a pro to the con to the market right now. And, um, you know, those those details are absolutely impacting how consumers are buying cars and then trading cars at the same time. Yeah. And uh, some of this, of course, maybe uh, most of it is caused by the the COVID-19, a pandemic that most of you have probably heard about by now. But um, coming out of this, uh, demand has gone up for vehicles at the same time. Supply just isn't there on both the new and used side. Tell us how uh, consumers can deal with this. Uh, and there's there's good ways to deal with this, and cer- certainly digital retailing is one of them. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So as a listener on the show, you're in the market to buy a car, to lease or finance a, a vehicle, and you're trying to figure out where do I start? I'm hear- seeing and hearing all these headlines. Let, let's just kind of take a pause real quick. There are cars and vehicles in the market for you to buy. Don't let the headlines scare you away. This year, 2022, um, there are an expected 15 million new cars that will be sold, as well as 40 million used cars that will be sold. So when you drive past a dealership or you go to an online retailer selling vehicles, you'll find vehicles, you'll find options. The challenge exactly, Jack, that you just stated, 
is you have basic supply and demand kicking in here. We're coming out of COVID. We had a lot of fear by consumers. A lot of people lost jobs and they fell out of the market in 2020. They weren't going to get a car. And a lot of those consumers are back in the market. They need a car. They want a car. The average consumer right now, their car is about 11 years old. That's the oldest uh, in the, the history of, of the automotive industry. So there are cars absolutely to be had in the marketplace. A really interesting stat, we, we recently did a consumer trend study. Uh, we interviewed over 5,000 consumers. Really in, interesting here about, you know, you can find a car, but about a, a third of vehicle buyers stated that they were significantly impacted by the inventory shortage, that, that they just didn't get the first vehicle of the choice that they wanted to. And Americans, we love our we love our cars, we love our vehicles, and we want exactly what we want with a black exterior, with a tan interior, with navigation, with a heated steering wheel and, and whatnot. And what's happened over the last year, because of that supply and demand, some other challenges in the old supply chain of the parts going in the cars, those iterative options just aren't in the market right now. But if you take a deep breath and if you go through your process, you're going to find vehicles that are very close to your to your needs. Do you think, Jason, that uh, a lot more people are substituting a used car, a recent used car, for a new car, or are looking at that as a as an opportunity for them to get what they want, uh, get the color and and all the equipment that they want? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll I'll look at lease heavy markets. So about thirty percent of new cars are leased, and that's fairly. Uh, clustered. If you're listening in, you're in the New York or Chicago or Miami or LA or uh, Dallas markets. Those are very lease-heavy markets. Um, what what we're seeing in the industry is many consumers that would always lease a car because they like that new smell car every three years or four years. A car may not be available. So many of those consumers are shifting to go to a certified pre-owned uh, option or just a regular used vehicle option. And CPO, certified pre-owns, are great options. Vehicles that are certified by the manufacturers, that they've gone through a multi-point inspection process, and they meet the certain standards of that manufacturer as a legitimate option for used vehicles. That's helping that 40 million used car sales number that we're probably going to end up at for this year. Yeah, and it's, it's a giant number. And of course, used cars very much outnumber new car sales uh, every year. This is not an anomaly. This is the way it happens. But uh, I think more people are considering used cars just based on what's going on now. And uh, they're looking, I think they're casting a wider net. And uh, certainly going online is a way to do that, right? To, to understand what the market is uh, requiring of you, requiring of you in terms of cost as well, which uh, a lot of new cars are going out way over sticker price. Uh, talk a bit about that, how digital retailing can help in that regard. Yeah, sure. It's it's funny. I'm, I'll kind of, I'm in my mid-40s, and I remember when I was a kid in the 80s getting thrown in the back of the, back of the car with my family. We're like, all right, we're going to go shopping for another car. And we'd probably go to seven or eight or nine different dealerships. And it's pretty much what everybody did years ago. And what we're seeing now is most consumers are going to, on average, anywhere from one to two physical dealerships to, to make a decision. And that's because there's just a lot of really good information online. All right? And we've been through this evolution in the automotive industry the last 15, 20 years as consumers. Right? 20 years ago, if you found a dealership website, there probably was not a lot of information on it. And you go to a dealership's website now, 
you can get some really insightful detail to help you make a decision, whether it's a configurator to, to see what the vehicle options are, to get a price, to get payment options if you're looking to compare finance and, and uh, leasing options, and then a trade-in value as well. These are all functions that over the last 5 to 10 to 15 years, the automotive industry has done a great job in exposing more information to you to make a better decision, to make a more informed decision. So when you work with a dealer, you work with a sales representative uh, or the individual that's called an F&I manager, finance and insurance, to secure that financing, you're in a better position. You're you're in a better position with better information to, to select that vehicle and the options there with them. You're always better armed with knowledge, aren't you? And there's a lot of places to get that knowledge, uh, most of them free online. And yeah. then you go into the deal, uh, just understanding better what is required, right? Uh, and how you qualify and what you don't qualify for. And I think that's important, too, to, to understand what you conceivably can buy. And, and that has changed a bit. And it promises probably to change a bit more as we continue to have inventory problems. And we're probably going to see higher interest rates going forward. What's your predictions about that and what that's going to mean to the market? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're as a as a market, we're going to continue to see prices hover around the MSRP level, uh, the manufactured su- suggested retail price for new vehicles. Uh, that trend will continue. Uh, you know, we're all seeing the old macroeconomic trends of interest rates rising. Yeah, we'll we'll continue to see you know rates increase on a car. Buying a car is gonna is gonna continue to be expensive comparative to the past for a lot of those reasons. And, you know, the, the key is let's look at options as a consumer. If you were previously looking at a certain type of a vehicle or a class of vehicle, what I absolutely love in the industry right now in the market is many brands that there's been a tremendous gap in technology from Highline, like the super luxury um, to mid-tier vehicles. That gap's closing. There's some amazing options across all brands that, that provide some real good quality and technology and speed, whether it's EV, electric vehicles, or hybrid vehicles as well. You're not seeing those options reserved just for the top top of the top. You're seeing a lot of really good options at a mid-tier level that is broadening the options for consumers. Tell us a little bit about Digital Airstrike and, and what you do for dealers, what you do for the consumer out there, how you how you kind of make that interface work. Yeah, absolutely. We're a technology company and we're the, we like to say we're behind the scenes enabling the car dealer to communicate more effectively with you, to enable the manufacturer and lenders to communicate more effectively with you. And we have some some very good insight because we work with over 7,000 clients and businesses uh, across the United States of helping those businesses communicate with better information, more timely information with you and uh, as a consumer. And whether that's through text, whether that's through email or, or through online digital platforms, we enable that better communication between consumers and, and dealers um, two, two ways, right back and forth. And, you know, because of that, we have some really good insights as to, you know, the platforms that consumers prefer, you know, how they want to provide information. And we're leveraging that insight to help dealers do a better job in communicating. And that communication is really important, isn't it? I always say that uh, communication that is off target is basically clutter. It's irritating. You know, you want to push it away. At the same time, a communication that is spot on 
even from somebody who's trying to sell something to you, if that's something you want to buy or something you're interested in, that's information. That's not clutter. And, and that's really kind of what you do, isn't it, is, is targeting that stuff. That's it. I'll, I'll give you a stat, you know, from, from that consumers provided us in that same study that it, it's pretty amazing that 40 percent of consumers said that they ended up not working with a specific dealership because the dealer didn't provide them the information that they were asking for. Like it, it's it's almost like me going to buy an ice cream cone to say, you know, I'd like I'd like chocolate ice cream on a cone. And by the way, what type of toppings do you have? And somebody hands me the ice cream cone and they ring me up to say that'll cost you three dollars and fifty cents. I'm like, well, what what about the sprinkles or the M&Ms or whatever toppings you have? Yeah. In fact, you might not even get the the flavor you want, depending on the dealership, right? I mean, exactly. you know, an old school dealership would try to steer you to something else. Exactly. But that that's where that's where we really are. are we, we focus on, you know, we talk about big data in our industry and we talk about social media platforms and how they use data. And, you know, our goal is how could we with the information and data that you as a consumer provide the dealer, how could we help the dealer be better at targeting and providing you a better message of, well, here's the vehicle that you were interested in. That vehicle may not be uh, aware uh, around anymore. It may have been sold, but here are other options. Here are vehicles that are very close to what you're looking for in the price range and the payment range that you're looking for and being transparent about that, as opposed to saying, hey, come on down to the dealership. That car is available when it really isn't. Through the data and through open, transparent communications, you know the goal is to create a better car buying and car ownership experience. Because dealers, the best dealers in the industry, and there's a lot of really good dealers in the industry, they pride themselves on the community roots that they have. They pride themselves on the relationship that they have with consumers. And you know they don't want to just sell you a car. They want to be able to get you in for service and help you with that vehicle. So when your kids or your cousins or your uncles, whatnot, need a car, you're going to be referring them as well. Yeah. Absolutely true. Well, in the few uh, seconds that we have left, what is your best advice to car buyers right now? People who really need a car, need to buy a car now, and are facing this crazy market. What do you suggest they do? It's a great question. First, what I would do is lean on your network. And what what do we mean by that? Very very simply, 93% of car buyers said that online reviews and their social media networks help them select the dealership of choice. 93%, 93%, and that's up from 88% when we did the study prior to the pandemic. What it's saying is leverage the people in your network, in your social media communities, uh, in online reviews as well, to help you make an informed decision um, to, to select not only the vehicle, but the uh, the dealership of choice as well. Yeah, very important information. Well, uh, Jason Barry, you're a COO of Digital Airstrike, as you probably know. Thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate your insights. Uh, Really helpful in this uh, crazy time to buy a car. Jack, really appreciate it. Thanks again, and thanks to all your listeners. Have a great day. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Redback. We were so glad you're with us. We really do appreciate you being with us here on America on the Road. It's listener question time. We love to get questions from our listeners. We hope to give you good information. That's why we're here. And I think this is a pretty good question. So I'd love to hear what Chris has to say about this. This is from Bubba in Fort Worth, Texas. You guys talked about autonomous cars last week, but I haven't heard much about them in a while. Are car companies still gung-ho about that tech or are they lukewarm about it these days 
Well, I think they are gung-ho about it, but I think that there are a lot of things that stand between them and people being able to buy uh, an actual autonomous vehicle. So the first thing to remember, remember is that there is no such thing currently as a self-driving car uh, that you can actually go buy. There are some that are being tested here and there, but uh, some of the roadblocks, Jack and you and I could talk about this, is if you think about it, there are 50 states with 50 different sets of traffic laws. Uh, some of them are going to be on board with this. Some of them are going to have significant objections to this. Uh, so the automakers or autonomous technology companies have to forge their way through all of that. Just a wild, wild guess that we're a minimum of 10 plus years away from this. But what I will say is I think in the, the near future, we're, we're going to see some more advanced driver aids come out of some of this research that's happening. Yeah, I think we're a long, long way from it too, Chris. And I, I'm I'm spot on with you because there's 50 states, 50 requirements uh, in the various states. And that's just the United States, right? And then you're talking of another 100 countries, 100 plus countries from around the world, each of which is liable to have their own take on autonomous vehicles and regulations and liability schemes and everything else. So I think there are a lot of roadblocks to this. And I think what they're finding out is this is a much more difficult technology than a lot of people thought it might be. Well, Chris, this has been great to do with you. I great seeing you again. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry your family has is not on vacation, but I'm glad we were able to do this today. And, and uh, I hope the vacation can work out for you uh, one of these days. I think it will, or I hope that it will. And thanks for uh, having me. Everybody, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and you want to take us with you wherever you go, you can head to the sportsmapradio.com a website, and you can find us there on the Saturday morning schedule where you can find our formatted Apple podcast or podcast wherever you get your uh, audio from, as well as the formatted radio version of the show. Right. And thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network uh, stations for carrying America on the road. We appreciate that. And most of all, we appreciate you listening to America on the road. You're the reason we're here doing what we do. We get to drive cars because you're listening. And so thanks for that. And join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. And if you're looking to buy a new car or used car, just care about cars, Go to drivingtoday.com. That's drivingtoday.com, the official automotive website of America on the Road.